gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd. Today we have Mr. Jay Winborn joining the Section K Podcast. Jay wanted to come on and address the new rule changes that will be in effect at the 2020 Summer Cutting Spectacular. Metallic Cat Summer Cutting Spectacular. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Definitely don't want to forget our sponsor. Shout out Bobby Patton and the Rock and Pea Ranch. Uh, but sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. Yes, speaking of sponsors and the Rocking Pea Ranch, this episode of the Section K Podcast is brought to you by Western Bloodstock. Western Bloodstock conducts all of the sales at the NCHA and NRCHA major events in Fort Worth, Texas. Whether you're looking for a ready-made show horse, broodmares, or your next young prospect, Western Bloodstock has many options available to fulfill your performance horse needs. Like their page on Facebook, Western Bloodstock LTD, or visit their website, www.westernbloodstock.net. Also, be sure to check out the Western Bloodstock 2020 Mid-Year Cutting Horse Sale, including the Rocking Pea Ranch Production Sale. That sale is going to be held on July 24th and 25th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Will Rogers Memorial Coliseum. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K Podcast. I'm Caden Rutherford. Today I'm joined with Cody Headland, and we are live from the offices of the National Cutting Horse Association. Today we are joined with the executive director. Hasn't really been in office long before he got dealt a pretty tough hand with the COVID-19 pandemic. Jay Winborn, welcome to the show. How's it going today? Thank you, guys. Uh, you know, it's just another day in paradise here, and uh, uh, I call it life during wartime. This is something that uh, never in my career I've ever had to deal with, and uh, hopefully we'll be out of soon. Uh, I think uh, the world in general uh, is in a state that probably none of us had ever seen, and uh, it's concerning. And I know a lot of questions have come up about what we're preparing for for the, for the rest of the year and kind of what it, those things are going to look like. Absolutely. Well, after the press release that detailed the changes from, for the NCHA Summer Spectacular this year, uh, there was obvious concern with any change comes pushback. We wanted to give uh, UJ, our executive director um, of the NCHA, a platform to address and better explain these changes, as well as why these changes were in fact made. We wanted to first and foremost give you a chance to address, explain, um, and just go over these changes uh, to start out the show. Well, I, I greatly ap appreciate the platform, and I'm going to speak pretty candidly here today. Uh, it's not always a, a, a capability I have when, when communicating from an association standpoint. But uh, uh, basically, guys, what, what, what I want to emphasize to everybody out there is how fortunate we are to have the ability to be conducting a show of our size right now. Um, what a lot of people don't realize about the NCHA and the events that we do produce here in Fort Worth is they are on the same platform as NASCAR, as the, you know, when they had the Super Bowl here, um, because of our relationship with the state of Texas and the city of Fort Worth and uh, some of the things that we participate in. Our events are on a much larger scale and under a much bigger microscope than some of the smaller events that have transpired here the past couple of weeks. You know, we, uh, we were somewhat involved uh, with, with uh, the process of the Reopen Texas plan. Uh, we had, we had uh, been solicited for some feedback on how we were going to manage these events and things that were going to be put in place to, uh, to assist in not only us, but the racing industry, uh, the rodeos, some of those things that have opened up that have been shut down uh, March and April. And uh, it's, it's because of that that some of the smaller events that preceded us have been able to conduct business. So essentially what you're saying is an NCHA-sanctioned Triple Crown event is not treated the same way or the guidelines, so to speak, aren't the same as that of the World Cutting Horse Association event that took place. I think it was the first weekend of June, I believe. Yeah, I, and I, I don't know what parameters were given to them. Um, and it, it really is, is 
not for me to worry about as to what they do and what they don't do. Certainly. Uh, I, I hope because it was a cutting event, it was successful. But, uh, you know, you talk about the WCHA show. They had a Morgan horse show. They had the ranch sorting that went on there. Those three events combined don't even equal one-third of what we will have at Will Rogers over the course of three weeks. Um, we, we bring a substantial amount of people to the city of Fort Worth. And uh, that is why we have had to put some parameters in place that will allow us to conduct our show. Um, there will be some personal health guidelines that will come down about a week before the show. I don't want to pre-release those because, quite frankly, as of today, I don't know what they will be come July 10th. As fluid as the situation is and with cases on the rise in numerous states here this week with states reopening, I think that is a very responsible decision to make to not release those, those guidelines here this early. So let's jump into the first really, I guess, concern that I've seen on social media, Facebook specifically. I think Facebook is one of the biggest conflict drivers in our industry, but that's a topic for another day. Obviously, there's a change in the stall policy from what the NCHA has done in the past and a show recently held at Will Rogers, which we just spoke about. Um, was this a unilateral decision um, on the part of Will Rogers or NCHA, or was it a joint decision? So, so to talk to that, I, I have in my hand right here, and you guys can see, is a book called The Health and Safety Guidelines that was put out by the city of Fort Worth and the Will Rogers facility. And I want to talk to specifically why we made the decision we made on stalls. It is our intent, because of the size of our event and because of the responsibility we have to the facility, being their largest client, and our relationship with the city of Fort Worth and the state of Texas, to follow these guidelines implicitly, where there is no question raised that we aren't doing anything in this book. My biggest fear is not the COVID, it's not uh, the, the charging of stalls and irate customers. My, my biggest fear is to get halfway through this deal and have the health department show up and shut us down. That would be catastrophic. And uh, I think you guys have seen some of the processes we, we have had to go through <clears throat> with canceling the super stakes the refunds that have had to take place, uh, the refunding of box seats, the refunding of entry fees, the refunding of stallion nomination fees, the, the loss of revenue from the vendors. Uh, we, because of the COVID deal, have lost almost, I think it's 177 shows this year, cutting shows, NCHA shows, did not take place. So producing this show is priority one for me. Now, I'm going to hand this book to you. I want you to read the highlighted comment. Absolutely. So what I'm looking at is a guest arrival sheet. It's got an outline from guest arrival to equine and livestock guest arrival. And this is about the fourth or fifth bullet point um, down on the exhibitor check-in at show stall and shavings office. And this point says show producers are discouraged from permitting exhibitors to day haul during the event rather than renting horse stalls. So in short, the Coliseum and NCHA rather should be encouraging folks to get a stall, keep your horses on grounds. And I think that is where we kind of bring another topic of discussion. If this wasn't in Fort Worth, if this is anywhere else, it's not an hour from Weatherford where I would dare to say 70% of the summer show entries will be from, I don't think you're seeing as much of an issue because when I go to the BI, when I go to Vegas, sure, we're all paying for stalls right. because we don't have a choice. So there's a very small percentage at the BI that's that's hauling in and out. West Galleon, maybe one or two other people that live live close. So I do think that is a very valid point right there. And that does that is straight from the Will Rogers handbook. Yeah. So, and so they gave you these guidelines for you to have a show. They they, did. It wasn't like these are recommendations or, or whatnot. These were guidelines and things you, we have to follow for us to even have the summer spectacular. Exactly. 
And I and and guys, this a lot of this in the back numbers, which we'll probably get into here in just a second, is built around the limitation of human interaction. You guys have all hauled into Will Rogers. You know the process, the parking, the check-in, the health check, all that, all that stuff. And when you're day hauling, that happens every day of the week that you're showing. This is a one-time check deal. And I'll, I'll talk through that more when we get to the back numbers. But what I want is the capability when a representative from the city of Fort Worth or the health department or Will Rogers comes up and questions what we're doing to say we're following the guidelines implicitly and we are doing everything we possibly can to manage this to the best of our ability. So that way there's no question that, you know, deep into the prelims that they decide to pull the plug on our show and I have to send everybody home. Yeah, I just imagine that between the youth go round and the scholarship finals, that would be absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. So um, I think it's, it's that's bad it. enough, you know, the youth, I feel really bad for them because they have had a pretty tough year this year with everything that's gone on. Um, they've had their graduations taken away from them. They've had a lot of other ceremonies that, that uh, were not able to happen. We're not able to host some of those things that normally happen, but we will have a youth cutting and, and we will produce it to the best of our ability. And I think that's one of the main concerns that got almost lost in translation is is when it came out on Facebook or when the press release was released on, on the website is everybody assumed that it was a NCHA thing and, and like it was you, that the NCHA was doing this just because of the COVID or something like that. It was more that you guys are following these guidelines just so we can actually compete and exactly. actually have a show. You know, uh, <laughs> the keyboard warriors get on there and say this is an opportunity us, for us to grab money. Um, guys, this is not a drop in the bucket to what we will generate revenue-wise of what it takes to operate this horse show. And quite frankly, if it was a cash grab opportunity for us, I'd be get you'd have to have a stall for your turnback horses, for your three-year-olds, for every horse that comes in there, we would require a stall. This is specifically so we can state to the powers that be that we are requiring every entry to have a stall per the guidelines. What I think too, that's an extremely good point and I'm glad you brought that handbook here with, with you because for me, like you read some of those CDC guidelines as far as forcing competitors and their help, uh, particularly those that can trailer in for the day and leave into barns at Will Rogers. Um, I think some people might say that that runs contra to CDC guidelines, but that's obviously not your place to speak on that. Right. This is right. a handbook that was, I'm looking at it right now, given to you from Will Rogers, very nicely presented handbook, but you guys don't really have a choice. So with that, has there been any thought at all that maybe Fort Worth in the future isn't a place that we want to have triple crown shows or have we thought that maybe with the parking and with the cattle surcharges some of these not really cash grabs but just the way that the city's kind of exorbitant not, charges. yeah just not yeah. been helping the everyday cutter so to speak has there been any thought process to maybe like hey we'll We'll take our we'll take our toys and we'll play somewhere else. You know that's something I'm constantly evaluating, and uh, I want people to understand. And I want to state for the record here that I am I am constantly looking at what is the best for this association. I have not been here that long, uh, and the short time I've been here, I've been dealt a hand of a lot of lot of things to deal with. We'll call it a shitstorm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, uh, I, I will tell you it's something we consistently look at and is under consideration. Um, the management's changed at Will Rogers. We, we have new parking policies. Uh, we have new venue management uh, to some degree. Um, there has been some price escalation there. Um, Texas is a big, big state, and there's a lot of places that we can have a horse show and still participate in the, in the major event. Fund. It is my hopes and my goal to ultimately get off our dependency on that and it become a gravy situation to us. Um, 
there there are other changes being made to drive us closer to that goal. Um, I have a good executive committee now in place that is back in that plan as well. Um, but for now, we are, we are in Fort Worth uh, until that changes. And uh, um, but we are striving to look at at you know everything on a case by case basis. Were you given any reasoning as to why these changes? I mean, I understand with the whole COVID deal being fluid, but I think a lot of the pushback on these changes is because it was that they were released after entries were paid in full or after the last payment was, was made. Um, can you comment on that? Or was that a so, when, when you were handed the handbook, that was when you announced the, the changes? The stall situation, we kind of got ahead of a little bit. And if you looked in the terms and conditions on the entry form, it is stated in there. It's not like this blew out of left field uh, as a surprise. Um, it just came to light, and we actually had our final discussion after the deadline closed. The reason we extended the deadline is because we were getting feedback from the non-pro, which, by the way, nobody had a problem rolling up there and renting a stall in the heat and competing up there. It was jam-packed. Um, but evidently down here it's a different story. Uh, but... Uh, uh, we were getting feedback that there was a lot of people expressing interest in coming to the Summer Spectacular. Uh, I felt it was warranted to extend that deadline by a couple of days to allow those people that wanted to get in, in. Uh, it, was, it was necessary for us to run a successful horse show, and I want to maximize the amount of people that we have exhibiting. You know, we haven't been cutting for almost 60 days, and uh, this is the first big, big show uh, that we've had and uh, um, I, I just wanted to, to open that up to those people but back to your original question if you look in there the mandatory stall was in the uh, in the terms and conditions well, I think that's a really good point because I'll be the first to admit I don't read the fine print on any yeah. of the of the entry forms and like sure it sucks having to pay an extra I have one horse entered at the derby it sucks having to pay for a stall but I mean, after this has been super enlightening for me because just looking at that handbook makes me realize that it sucks, but we just, it's part of what we have to do to ensure that we can hopefully get through our entire show with, without the health department coming in and shutting it down. Exactly. For me, it's not that big of a deal, but for some people I do get why it's tough. it could be tough. Like that's like, I've talked to a, a breeder that he's like, man, I got horses in the amateur, the youth, the open, the not like... I'm not getting helped out, I guess, is kind of the frustration there. Right. So, But, again, I'm sure he would, he would give all the money in the world to make sure that if his kid's leading the go-round after the first round of the, of the scholarship cutting, you'll pay any price to ensure that your kid's not going to get that on. taken away yeah. from him, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and for myself, getting stalls at, at the Triple Crown events, I have four horses that I'm going to show, and – I don't have anybody at the house working them or anything like that. So when I go to town to show, I usually take my other two with me and I work them in the practice pens. So, right. I mean, for myself, it it wasn't – I mean, I think we might have added one stall to it. And, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much, especially, like you said, we're getting back cutting. So, You know, I think uh, in regards if people step back and kind of take a look at what – is going on in the world right now um this is not that great a magnitude of something that's happened that is allowing us to have our show um i do want to emphasize how fortunate we are and how lucky we are because i i don't think people take that into consideration you know um, well a month ago we were still basically in the thought process of are we even going to have a derby i mean we already canceled the super stakes right. and and obviously things turned around and and the countries kind of start started back going again but a month ago everything was still up in the air so i i agree like i think look at let's just run down the list mm -hmm. i mean rodeo houston canceled midstream san antonio rodeo canceled outright the preakness canceled the run for a million in vegas canceled I mean, I, I've got a list of about two dozen things that have been canceled. Of, All the are, high school huge. rodeo finals. High school rodeo finals. You know, the biggest biggest uh, rodeo in the world mm -hmm. uh, was postponed. It actually got moved. 
and and that was that would have been what I would have looked at had we not been able to have the show here. We would have probably had to gone someplace else. So with that, to to what degree has NCHA finances been affected by COVID nineteen? You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've had over one hundred seventy seven sanctioned shows canceled. Um, the Super Stakes, even though we had the event insured, that has yet to to have been settled. Um, it has it has affected our cash flow a little bit. Uh, we're still above water. Uh, we're moving moving forward. Um, I did as fast as I could to get people active again. You know, we reinstated the world standings, and not without controversy, of course. You know, because uh, there's some places in the country that are still not permitted to show, and outside of the country, I know our friends up in Canada are having a real tough time, and I I feel for them. But I I also I have more people that are able to go show and want to go show and this expands beyond just the people going to show i mean it's it's the trainers that are involved and the vendors that do the horse shows and your contractors your announcers your judges everybody that utilizes this to make a living off of and the faster we're able to get back to business the better everybody's going to do and that's my intent uh, i want these shows to happen I, I want canada to get open as soon as possible but I have no control over that, but I can't shut down the rest of the U.S. and uh, other areas of the world that are, are able to go cut because a handful of places are not able to be active. But to your point, uh, we're, uh, we're being very conservative. We've tightened the belt on several things. Uh, I've, I've uh, um, looked at our budgets and made some additional pullbacks where we needed to um and there's there's changes i i brought this up my weekly newsletters from day one that it's we're in a different world now and i don't think it's going to get back to being the same for a very long time you know but uh again it's my number one priority is to have this association active and up and running as best as is possible has there any bit has there been any plans or ideas um i know a couple years ago actually a decade ago when the oh nine years ago when the bi was canceled for the ehv1 i believe um has there been any plans to maybe have something like that go on at the super stakes next year like they had the special five or anything like that you know, we're we're talking through some some uh, various scenarios. Uh, there's been some talk about allowing seven-year-olds and some other other aspects. Um, right now, my main focus is getting this summer show done and executed and prepare for the futurity. And kind of in between that time of this show being done and as we prepare for the futurity, uh, I want to see what we can do to accommodate some of those people that weren't able to get out and run for the world but still want to come to Fort Worth and show their horses. Uh, we're going to try and put something together for them. Kind of like similar to like the grassroots cutting that we did exactly. a couple years ago. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I also, too, want to want to be able to kind of uh, provide something next year for those guys that missed out this year at the Super Stakes. I mean, that's a big deal. And it's, uh, it's really uh, – it's – <laughs> it's tough when you think about the missed opportunities we've had this year and uh, nobody had any control over it. I mean, the rug just kind of got yanked out from under us. Yeah. You just think about a guy like Burt Bull that's invested so much of his money and time and not only cutting, but ranching and just the whole Western lifestyle. And he achieves that ultimate dream wins the super, or wins the fraternity, the Super Bowl of cutting and, Obviously, every year, what is that we're talking about? The Triple Crown. We've talked about it on our show with numerous people that have come on, talked about Chiquita Pistol and how cool that was to see a Triple Crown winner. And for me, that's what sucks is just that there's no, there's not that hype going into the Derby now where yeah. there potentially could have been, whether it was Brandon Westfall or Kristen Galleon or, or uh, Gary on Metallic Ream Inc. It just, that added lure to these last two legs of the triple crown is just it sucks that it's not there um hoping that a triple crown champion is crowned you know it's the same way same thing in horse racing exactly. right now 
I mean, you watched the Belmont this weekend. So weird. It was <laughs> flat. You so know? weird. <laughs> and and uh, the horses still run as hard, still try as hard, and you still win the race, but it's just, it's not the same. And uh, um, the the best we can hope for is to be out of this as soon as possible. But I think I think it's going to take a while for it to, to catch up. And God forbid we see a relapse of this come fall because it's, uh, it's scary. Um, uh, we had an outstanding futurity this past year. And uh, I was proud because I was on board already and, uh, um, you know, got to see, see that go off and thought, thought it was a really good futurity. And going into this year, I was really confident that we were going to have a great year and we were off to great things. And, and uh, boom, get hit by this. It's like hitting a brick wall at 100 miles an hour. But, uh, again, to the point, you know, I mentioned horse racing. It's not just that. It's everything. It's baseball, football, any, anything that people are involved in. I mean, I think, again, I fall back, and I hate to keep saying this, but uh, we're lucky to be having the summer spectacular. There's a guy, one of our big-time members, and I'm not going to mention his name, day one of the shutdown, day one lost four million dollars and that was day one so to say this hasn't impacted our industry it has but i will say i think our people are resilient uh i think uh they are are tough and i also think um they're ready to get back in the pen and get get going and as long as i can provide that opportunity for them and we're able to provide it, I will. And uh, I think cutting will continue to to go, and 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 we will be able to. It's just going to be a little different here for, for a little while. Another change that we saw um, via social media and your press release was uh, the back numbers. Um, would you like to, I guess, elaborate on, one, how it's going to work and, and why you guys came up with the the – back number situation so this this is another source of controversy and uh anybody who's ever shown anything except ncha has probably had a back number on their horse and both of you guys are nodding yes um you know if you've shown aqha or cow horse or reining or any pretty much any other discipline you've had to number your horse um this falls in line with some of the guidelines that we're we're having to adhere to and this is a Essentially, we will be tied to a one-stop check-in. When you arrive at the facility, you will check in at the stall office. You will get your stall. You will get a back number. They will check your health papers. We are not going to have outside health checks because that way it does away with those people that are staffed out there, again, with the interactions of stopping the car, dealing with you, changing their PPE, you know, slowing up the process. It's an easy fix. Uh, it also has benefits to us inside the association of being able to track those horses on the grounds and uh, answer any questions that we have if people are, are, are if, we, if we had to track down a specific horse, it allows us easier accessibility to do that. Uh, we're going to be extremely friendly about it. Um, every horse will have a number, even your turnback horses. Um, we will have, when you check in, you'll get your number. If for some reason you misplace it, we will have blanks in the arena, practice pin, the, uh, the pavilion that with a mark slot, and you just write your 123 on there and pin it onto your saddle. But uh, every horse will be required to have a back number. And they'll have to wear it at all times when they're being rode. Correct. And even in the show pen? Yes, sir. Yep. So technically, this is just semantics, but saddle pad numbers is a better, better, literal better term. Yeah, this isn't the Cheyenne Frontier days where Absolutely. you're going to pin to the back of your shirt. Cool. You know, it, it will pin to the pin to your saddle pad, but it's a it's a better way for us to show that we're tracking those horses and that they're numbered, and we know who whose horses and what horses those are, who the health papers correlate to. And this is a, a one-time stop. You're one and done. And uh, 
I think it's going to be a lot easier process for everybody. So even your people that will be day hauling in and out um, because they live so close, they won't have to check their health and Coggins every day like we had to during the fraternity. If they get their stall and they check in and they get their back number, just leave it pinned to your saddle pad. If you change pads, pin it to your new saddle pad. You come right in. You know, if you're up in the prelims and then you're down for four days and you haul home, when you come back, you, you just have your back number and you're set. So with that excitement from the fraternity and coming in, taking this new position, obviously um, you knew going in it wasn't going to be an easy one. There was challenges ahead. Uh, what were some of the things that you were most excited about uh, coming in and working with the NCHA? You know, I, in a very, uh, they were in a very similar state as the cow horse was when I when I took it over, and uh, I wanted to kind of bring in some some fresh ideas. Uh, it took me a while to get up and running at the cow horse, um, but once I did, and we kind of got everything kind of lined out and got it on the road of prosperity a little bit, and we didn't make a whole lot of money the first year I was there, but we did make money which the previous 10 years we didn't make money. And um, that's kind of where I need to get this before I can start putting some of the programs that I was able to put in place at the cow horse in a similar fashion here. And uh, this has kind of speed bumped me right now. Um, and it's kind of changed the way I've had to look at kind of um, putting this thing in, in a place to where we can still maintain and operate uh, even in a in a severely downturn market, but uh, I I think we and one of the things that I I preached when I was uh, started putting out my letters is this is opportunity. It's kind of a refresh of so sorts, and it gets us back to basics. And I think that's the problem where we've gotten away from the basics a lot. And we concentrate too much on things that really aren't core to what we do. And I think if we refocus on those things that are truly important to our membership and to the association in general and putting on good events and the ability to do that, um, the rest kind of starts to fall into place. Well, that's kind of why I posed the question about have we pooled any ideas <clears throat> on moving some of our events because that's kind of one of the first things I heard about you whenever the NCHA decided to, to hire you as the executive director is like you changed, you took the premier event in the NRCHA from, I don't know how long it was in Reno, but I assume it was historically 30 plus years in Reno for a long time. And I'm sure there was some pushback. I'm mm -hmm. sure obviously the folks that are geographically close to, Reno, Nevada were upset, and with good reason. You're taking the the premier event out of their backyard. There's going to be more cost, more driving, um, harder to just keep it all together um, as far as going to the Snafflebit Futurity. So that's why I posed that question is because you've dealt with changing the premier event and dealing with pushback from a membership that, just like I said, change, it sucks. Nobody wants to – I've gone to Will Rogers for the last 12 years and I've paid my $5 and I haven't worried about how my horses are getting there. I haven't worried about buying a stall just because I haven't had to. Well, I mean, certainly in the case of the, the snaffle bit futurity, we had kind of fallen into a rut where it was very comfortable there. And the cow horse, much like this is a, a Texas centric association. The cow horse was a West coast centric. Um, I took a show, which, which was, you know, a, a West Coast centered show and moved it to a part of the country that can be construed as the center of the Western performance horse industry. And uh, when we brought our show here, not only did we attract cutters into the event, we had rainers and uh, ranch horse people and um, various other people that not only came to participate, but also came to spectate. And it, it brought a lot of excitement to it. And... Uh, you know, I know Cody's from the West Coast. He's seen the change in uh, the agricultural com community out there and how it's been affected. And um, we needed to get 
that I, I thought the cow horse was a great event for this part of the world. Now, cutting has has been intertwined into the fabric of this part of, of Texas. Um, deep, deep roots. I mean, it's as Fort Worth as the stockyards. Um, that being said, though, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sold that. A, and I'm not saying we're moving the futurity, okay? But the argument could be made that do we pick this up and take it to Vegas and blow it up into something bigger, or do we take the super super stakes or or the summer spectacular? I mean, one of the things that I am working on right now, trying to develop, is a large-scale exhibition event. You know, the Rainers have the one run for the million. Uh, Cow Horse has World's Greatest Horseman. We need that. And I don't think it necessarily has to happen in Fort Worth. And if it does happen in this part of the country, it's not going to be at Will Rogers. Um, got a lot of ideas on that. Big money purse. You know, top 15 riders with the ability for five holes to qualify for um, with a million-dollar payout. And uh, I think that type of concept is something that I want to strive to put together and develop because I think that could lift the industry in general. Yeah, just my opinion, but being in Fort Worth during the Derby, if that was one show that we could move, hypothetically, that's the one I would choose just because I do cutting as a hobby, and it would be cool if the sport did start taking us back to some of those more destination places, your steamboats and your polo ranches and your more vacation, I guess, type of events just because Vegas. Like for me. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas is... But the other, the other thing I hear from people on Vegas is, like, how do you have a big youth cutting at Vegas? Yep. Just because with the whole lost casino. Bit, yeah, casino yep. and um, catering to the youth. That, I mean, but if there was anybody that could roll out the red carpet for the youth and make sure that every kid had something fun to do, it would be Paula Gone at South Point and Katie Gone and, and Michael. I mean, th- what those folks do for not only cutting but the performance horse industry, whether it's team roping or cow horse or anything that they put on there is – is above and beyond. So I do think that if we were going to to have a youth show, I think that I think Polygon would make damn sure that that that, that venue was suitable for for a big time youth event. You know, it's one of the top 3 venues in the country. And the other thing too, I I want people to get out of thinking is that why do we have to do these at necessarily equestrian centers? Why couldn't you take the infield at Texas Motor Speedway and grandstand it and put poor dirt and build a grandstand. I mean, let's think outside of the box of what, what is going to instill excitement into our sport and make us stand out and be different because we've done the same thing over and over and over. And I know a lot of people like the hair on the back of their neck stands up when I start talking like this, but it's the same people, the same type of people that said you can't move the futurity out of Reno. You know, you can't go to Fort Worth and sell out the world's greatest horseman and did it five years in a row, standing room only. You know, it's we've got to start looking at these events of what's going to instill excitement and get people drawn in and excited about cutting. And they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting yep. a different result. Yep. My dad used to tell me that all the time when I was playing baseball. <laughs> is there anything that you would like to add in closing with uh, the direction the NCHA could be headed after COVID-19, hopefully, and with the conclusion of the summer show? So, um, you know, right now uh, with the COVID situation, uh, we're, we're taking it kind of day by day. Um, I don't think this is going to stop with the conclusion of the summer show. I think we're still going to be faced with some challenges. Hopefully they won't be as difficult as what we've expected here. But uh, I expressed this a little bit earlier, but I want to want to emphasize it. Um, the, the cutting industry is dependent upon horse showing. And if we don't have horse shows, I mean, it really um, – it really cripples a lot of people. Uh, you know, our, our, our trainers uh, are obvious, the first ones that come to mind, but you've got the, 
the judges, the, the contract labor, our cattle people, our vendors and sponsors that come to the show uh, that all set up that are counting on us to provide, uh, you know, a place for them to, to sell their goods and services. Um, in addition to the venues, too, I mean, we, we are responsible for the employment of a lot of people, whether it's directly or indirectly. Um, I do want people to understand that where we're going with the NCHA, and, and I, I think you've got, you've got a real good executive committee in place right now. Uh, you've got a, a president and a, and a, a president-elect and a vice president that are very heavy, heavily concerned about the weekend people and what direction that's wanting to go in. And that's going to that's gonna be a large focus for us over the next few years and needs to be. Um, in addition, we need to really focus a lot on our people that are, are hauling for titles, uh, you know, that go up and down the road and have the capability for them to do that. And I don't want to forget the, the LAE people. Uh, it's as important for the Open to succeed as it is the amateur, and I want to do everything in my power to make those, those shows run more efficiently, have better payouts, and, and be more inviting to as many people as possible. Uh, we need to raise the value of our horses uh, continually and do everything we can to support this industry. And uh, that is what I'm here to do. And uh, <clears throat> the sooner we're out of this deal, uh, the, the more time and capability it will, or the more time and ability it will allow me to focus on some of those things that need to happen. And I think that's something that everybody in the industry, all members included, need to realize when you get on Facebook or you're sitting around talking about negatively about the things that happen or the things that go on or the rule changes that come about, that there's a lot more into this than just the one show, the Summer Spectacular, that's coming up. You have to juggle so many other things that I think people don't realize, and I think I would like to challenge all of our members and all of our listeners to think about that, that there's a lot more going on than just the back numbers and the stall prices and the stall requirement to keep this association running at full steam or as 50% or however we can be at COVID stages. But I think that's something that everybody needs to take into account. I, I appreciate that, and the the armchair critics are are a plenty. And uh, you know, we were talking loosely before we started here, and I don't. <clears throat> I, I just want to mention this. I mean, half the controversies that flare up on social media are people that are hadn't shown a horse since 1982. You know, and uh, um, it's it's distressing. You know, uh, social media has really. Uh, hurt this association straight up couldn't uh, agree more it set us back immensely in my opinion what do you think a sponsor sees when they look on our facebook page why the hell would i want to do anything to exactly. help out all these people that are so the people that are complaining about the purses and complaining about this and the things that we have to do and the way we have to operate a lot of that is because we are forced to do that and and uh um it's right now with the current situation we're in we're in a survival mode and i'm not talking about the stalls or the back numbers i'm just talking about in general um but uh you know one of the <laughs> one of the great things about the cow horse that uh the reason one of the reasons we were very successful there is we didn't get on social media and air out our dirty laundry there's a time and a place for everything and if any, anybody has issues that they want to discuss, you can call me on the phone, or I'm happy to talk to you about it face-to-face -face at a show. But if you really don't have a stake in it, it's probably not your business to be discussing. I think that's a really good point, and I think that's an excellent way to end this interview. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for your transparency and straightforwardness, not only during this interview, but during the whole COVID process, um, your weekly updates. Uh, I love reading them. It's a very nice thing to see someone that's leading our association that um, wants to be engaging with the members. So thank you for that, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. And, and to our members out there, uh, I want you to know we're working hard here for you. 
sincerely and uh, we're going to do everything we can to help support you guys. That wraps up today's episode. Once again, thank you to Jay Winborn for coming on the Section K podcast and helping myself, I'm sure I can speak for Cody as well, better understand these new changes to the Summer Cutting Spectacular. So, Headland, what were some of your thoughts on the interview? Uh, obviously, it was more clarity, definitely more clarity. We uh, we found out, I feel like, some things that were kind of out of NCHA's control that everybody was getting upset about. Um, Jay was transparent with us, told us everything. I mean, we asked all the questions, and he gave us all the answers. And, I mean, that's something that – we as NCHA competitors have been asking for and uh, he sought us out and asked us um, to kind of put him on this platform here and uh, help bring some clarity to the situation and and also I mean even kind of put a lot of things in perspective of how tough his job has been and is and will continue to be um, through the times that we're in right now and I mean, it's just cool to cool to feel like that we're uh, gaining on it, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, the biggest thing I took away from the interview with Jay, and I encourage people to do the same next time they're filling out their entries, just read the fine print. Um, I'm guilty of getting a little upset by this stall rule change because I didn't Me as well. As, as first as – I mean, I sent it to you as soon as it came out on Facebook. We, I mean, it was like, okay. And I didn't read the fine print. and. Nope. It's in there, and that's what I learned today, and that's what I'm going to take away from this interview is it doesn't matter if it's a Triple Crown event. It doesn't matter if it's one of Della's shows, um, one of Bob's shows at the BI, Vegas. You have to read all the, all the clauses, and you have to read just all the rules and all the local rules because just like golf, there's certainly there's the USGA – rules that govern but there's also local rules at whatever course you're at and the same goes for whatever show you're at so um, you should treat every one of those entries um as a unique entry and you should do keep an open mind about the thoughts and processes that go into this stuff i mean we were all upset when we heard that and you know i mean when it's more explained we might not love it, but it is the world we live in right now, and we've all had to be dealing with it the past couple months. And, I mean, we're back to cutting. We should be happy about that, right? Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be getting back to some fun content next week. JoJo Lamond have a heater of an episode coming with him. Uh, we were a little sad to put that on the back burner, but we definitely wanted to provide some clarity to these rule changes and we thought that it was important to have Mr. Jay Winborn on to address these changes. So once again, thanks for listening as usual. We hope that you folks took something away from from this interview and uh, we wish you guys the best of luck if you're showing and hope to see you down the road. Adios. <laughs>